What we do in life echoes in eternity. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. Officer, you need to repent of your lawless conduct. You don't know the law, and yet you pretend to represent it. That's not law enforcement, sir. That's being a thug. We will not stop fighting and bothering you all until this monstrous, barbaric practice of legalized abortion ends and we are teaching our children to do the same. God's word says that the shed blood of innocent humans cries out for justice and mark my words, they will have their day in court. Nobody gets saved by being treated nicely. They get saved by hearing the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. If we don't open our mouths and commend Christ, we're not loving Him, no matter what we're doing with our hands. What's up, everybody? This is our uh, fourth episode of Provoked, and I am Zach, my elders at Apologia Church, and sitting next to me as... Per the usual, this is my beautiful sister and co-host, Desi. How's it going? It's going great. And I'm Desi, and I'm here with my big brother, Zach. And how are you? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm doing well. Did you sleep at all last night? Because I didn't sleep at all. Yeah, I slept pretty good. I mean, typically, uh, Phoebe's still in the room. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's been being being cool lately. She, You know, she's, what, a year and a couple months, and she still needs her bottles. But she's funny. Like, she's so different than the other babies because... She'll just scream like, ah, like almost like a full grown man in a tiny one year old little baby girl's body. She'll just, and none of the other six kids or five kids ever did that. Yeah. You know, but she just yells, ah, and then we're like, okay. You know, some of them kind of, you know, in the past, they just get up and giggle or kind of move around, but just full blown screaming yell. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of tough, but. Um, she's been being pretty cool. <laughs> she, she, she's found out it's effective after being, you know, she's what number six. So yeah, yeah, she knows. She knows how to get attention. Yeah, she's got to get her attention somehow. Yeah, so. I've just had super bad pregnancy insomnia, so I just wake up at like twelve and I'm up for like two or three hours. Yikes! <laughs> but it gives yeah. me a good time to get in the word and you know go watch netflix or pray (laughs) yeah that's rough though just back to back insomnia not being able to sleep the lord's way of preparing for when baby comes and i don't sleep at all but so we are um we're provoked and what are we doing in the show we want to provoke you all of our listeners to uh preach the gospel and to go out and rescue babies that are headed to death at abortion clinics Mm -hmm. and uh, destroy cultural idols. That's the whole purpose of the show is to come alongside of the Christian church, do our best to be supplemental. We're not taking the, the ever taking the place of the local church. Of course, that is an integral, integral place in the, in the plan of God. What is Jesus doing right now? He says, I'm building uh, the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we're coming alongside of the church and just trying to do what we can do as humbly as we can uh, to help the church. What you can do to help us is go to apologiastudios.com and become an all access member. That is what you can do. So please do that now if you could. Number one, it'll help you because it gives you tons of access into 
you know, amazing information, you know, second to none information you can't get anywhere else on this planet to help equip you with reasoned answers, to defend your faith, to effectively evangelize the say babies. I mean, there is a lot in there. Yeah. So go there for you and also go there for us, because as you uh, as you learn from the show, as you receive from the show, we would help. We would ask that you would support us, give back prayerfully. But as you as you as you do that, that money is going to come in to help us continue what we do. All we want to do is fulfill the Great Commission. All we want to do is go about the continued effort of rescuing people out of cults, saving babies, preaching the gospel, building the kingdom. So if you could do that, we would love it. We would appreciate it. Today, we have uh, Bill Rooney back on the show, and we were so happy uh, the first time he came back. And I've been telling people, because Bill's actually on the line right now, Bill, I've been telling people that you're probably the nicest pro-choicer I've ever met. (laughs) Well, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, you just uh, hold yourself well, and and we've actually went back and reviewed our discussion. You articulate yourself real well. We just thank you that we can have this conversation and and show each other mutual respect and have it be civil. So that has been uh, a blessing. So we're just going to go kind of in. Uh, we could talk about new stuff. Um, I know I had left you at the conclusion of our discussion with some things to think about. Um, so I have mm-hmm. some I have some different syllogisms I, I wanted to throw at you, but I want to go okay. ahead and just have a good, meaningful back and forth. Ultimately, we, we want to share the truth. Um, we don't come from the position that many people have in a debate or discussion that we're not here to change your mind. Actually, we do want you to change right. your mind. We do. We, we want you to know the truth. We want you to know the joy of being in the kingdom, the joy of knowing Christ. But we do We do want you to change your mind. Um, of course, that's not something that we can do. We just declare that truth to you, and uh, then the ball is kind of in your court. So again, um, I, I do have a couple of syllogisms, things that I would want to talk to you up and talk to you about, but I wanted you to kind of, if you would like, discuss what you were thinking about or things that you have kind of um, thought about in preparation for this. Would you like to start with a statement or an argument or a kind of a direction you want to talk about? Uh, sure. Uh, well, firstly, I'd like to say that um, I noticed uh, last time I checked the video had like 7,000 views or something like that, which was, you know, I, I don't know your audience, but it was more than I had expected. <laughs> so that that was pretty neat to see. Um, and, you know, there was that the comment section, and I just wanted to say that you know, everybody was very uh, respectful, and um, even if they disagreed, and I'm assuming most do disagree with me, there was no personal attacks or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that's that's appreciated. Oh, good. Yeah, um, and like I said, I mean, that's ad hominem attacks, which it just means attack the man. When you start doing stuff like that, even in the comment section, we pretty much, you know, we allow it to a point just because in some videos there's so many thousands of comments, it's just, it's hard to police them all. But just from right. our perspective as a ministry, we don't we don't resort to that. You know, we want to hold ourselves professionally. And of course, we want to represent Christ and, and, and how he's commanded us and instructed us in his word. And, and the word of God instructs us to to carry ourselves and to, you know, love people and to carry them, to carry them along. Um, but yeah, so we're we're glad. Um, we're glad uh, you could you could look at that. And yeah, we've, we've, we've got a pretty big audience, I think, 221,000 subscribers. So. Uh, we're oh, blessed. Wow. <laughs> All right, so let's just go ahead and start the discussion. Where do you want to start? Um, well, I think we last left off talking about uh, morality and, and, and the basis of it, why somebody can um, 
or how they go about deciding what they think is right and wrong. Uh, and I think your your claim was basically that um, without God, there's no good basis for believing in right and wrong. Um, not that somebody who doesn't believe in God or is questioning it is immoral necessarily, but they have no good basis for morality. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. More or less. Yeah, because, uh, well, I mean, Jesus says this in the scriptures. He says, no one is good but God, right? So I don't I don't believe according to the, the testimony of the scriptures that there's any good people out there according to his standards. Of course, the people say that they're good, but you always have to ask what standard are they holding themselves to. So I think we had discussed... Uh, morality. Now, typically people will use morality as an evidence for God, and I think it is a very good evidence for God. I don't believe there is any way of explaining objective standards of morality outside of God. You know, I, I just don't think that you can... Well, of course, this has been a thousands of years old discussion, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but even further than morality, the, the objective standard of morality that, you know, most people agree on, uh, is not only good evidence, but you can't even you can't have an accounting for morality outside of God being the source of it, right? There is no accounting for that. And another way of saying that is, you know, from almost an evolutionary uh, mindset where we, you know, it's it's typically either two roads. It's God created, God is the reason, He's the source of all things, uh, or we came from chance processes that were unguided. You know, it's it's just mm-hmm. random chance in, through a long period of time, and here we are. So what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. if you're saying, what I'm saying is, you, we can't give an account for morality, meaning how does it make sense in a world, if we can even imagine it, where God is not the foundation of all things? That's what I'm saying. I hope I was clear. Okay. I can clarify myself if I was a little bit muddied there. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I think I understand where you're coming from. Um, so... Firstly, with that, I would say that no matter what, somebody who's a Christian or a Muslim or agnostic or an atheist, it it does boil down to, at some point, you're filtering your experience of the world through your own subjective, you know, experience, not to be redundant. Um, Mm -hmm. And because of that, ultimately, every individual, to some degree, does decide um, what they think is right or wrong. Now, somebody can come to the conclusion that they believe there's a God, um, and they can further, you know, believe that the Bible is God's Word, um, and because of that, they sort of default their morality to that. Um, but there's still the event of deciding for yourself whether or not you think that's moral, or whether or not one thinks that's moral, um, which I don't think is a very different experience for somebody who doesn't believe in God, or is questioning it, or believes in um, different scriptures. Uh, I, I think that experience is, is universal, where you do decide for yourself. Um, now, I understand that many Christians... Uh, don't think that that is the process. I think that God reveals it to them or, or chooses them or however you want to put it. And it's, um, nothing, it's not something they came to the conclusion of and decided on. Um, it's, they were, they were called, right? 
um, which I, I suspect is, is more along the theology that you guys hold to. Um, so I understand that, but in practical terms, at some point, every individual decides what they think about God and morality um, and, you know, whatever scriptures are associated with that. So it does, it does st- still come down to a personal decision uh, filtered through your own mindset, your own biases, what society has taught you. Um, so yeah. I don't think the... Go, go ahead, finish the your thought. That, I, I yeah, thought we sorry, would be... I, I, we... I, I don't think the claim <laughs> that a person deciding their own morality is less than a Christian perspective, because ultimately the Christian also decided his own morality um, when he or she decided to believe in God and believe in the Bible. It was still their thought process that led them to that point. Um, so I, I think connected with that, I, I would be interested... Hold on, let me yeah. let me talk to that, and I oh, think let me speak to that real quick. And um, you know, we were super nice, and I think that was good. We're getting to kind of know each other, but I think let's let's be a little bit more back and forth, um, not in any way to disrespect another or talk over one another or attack. And of course, I already laid those those ground rules in the last in the mm-hmm. last show. But I think it would be good just to kind of go back and forth a little bit more and kind of deal with the subjects as they come up. Um, and and you're not, sure. you weren't necessarily guilty of running on. I think I was kind of guilty of that last time. But I think what you just explained in that in, in, in what you were going through just now is a subjective standard of morality. That really morality has no basis in the objective category because everybody comes to the conclusion of their own moral code based upon their own subjective uh, reasoning. You know, their senses and reasoning leads them to a code of morality that they live by. Now in, in, so what you've done is you've you've defined a subjective sense of morality, but what I'm saying is there exists an objective standard of morality that we would all agree upon, right? We, we would never agree it'd be okay to put cigarettes out on little baby toddlers, right? So there's, there is a morality we, we can't escape from that's, in, that's intrinsic to every human, and the explanation of that, the accounting of that, how that makes sense within a Christian worldview is that God has endowed us with this type of knowledge as he's imprinted his law upon our hearts. That's why we don't believe it's okay to steal or to kill or to rape, right? Um, there's, mm-hmm. there's standards within that moral code which we would define as a reflection of God's own character. You know, that, that goes uh, hand in hand with being made in his own image. You see what I mean? But what, what, I'm, what I was trying to get at is that how can you account outside of a really a Christian worldview where God is the giver of these things, the source, the supplier of this morality, how can you account for that in an atheistic worldview where we are just, you know, molecules in motion, that we are just, you know, the products again of random chance processes? I just don't believe that you can... You can you can um, find the source of obje- objective morality from that type of worldview or accounting. Does that make sense? It, it does, yeah. So I would say um, oh, a couple thoughts on that. Um, one is I, I would like to know your opinion on, um, let's say, a, a Muslim's worldview. So a Muslim who's 
you know, adherent to their scriptures, would also say that God handed down that law, and they firmly believe that. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I would ask, do you think they have a good reason to believe in objective morality, even though they're not Christian? Yeah. Because because those standards that they, they believe, um, you know. Right. Well, I, what I think that you do, so we have all been given a conscience, right? Uh, we, we know intrinsically that some things are right and some things are wrong, uh, which is hard to get to if we are just evolved animals, but we could save that discussion from, for another day or, or we can get into it, whatever. But what I'm saying is that we all know now the scriptures give us a special detailing of that morality within the context of that revelation, but we all have the light of the conscience, right? God has given us the light of creation. Creation points to a creator, the light of conscience, we know right from wrong, and then the light of Christ, which shines in the hearts of us as we look to the scriptures and God actually gives us the ability to see that. But what I'm saying is that the Muslim, the uh, you know, the Mormon, the Jehovah's Witnesses, all the other religions, we still, even though they adhere to a certain book, a holy book, or identify themselves in a certain religion, they still have that moral code that God has written upon mm-hmm. the heart. And that's elucidated or explained within the law of God in the scriptures. So, and, and I don't know if you're getting to this point, like a, and I know in the, in the, in the Quran, it does teach that you were to kill the infidel, you know, and we believe that that does, is not congruent with the law of God revealed in scripture, that even though they might say it's good to do that, or the Muslim might say that this this is something that God has commanded us to do, we would say, no, this does not comply, or this is not congruent with the law of God. So therefore, mm-hmm. it's, it's incorrect. And so let me explain that a little bit. You can, try to ex- you can try to create your own moral code. You could say this is mm-hmm. right, but if, it's, if it goes and f- if it flies in the face of God's law, or if it's not in, you know, in agreement with again, his own, uh, or, or the law of God written upon our heart, or the law of God in Scripture, then it's not an objective standard of morality. It's just another subjective standard of morality that you created for yourself. Yeah. Um, so, relating that to my original point, I think there, I think not only can you make your own sort of moral code, but, um, you inevitably do. I think everybody does. I think even the Christian does. I think even within Christian circles, um, there's variation in it. Take, for example, um, and we can discuss this if you like, uh, whether or not baptism is necessary for salvation. Um, and I'm, I'm confident you have a, a well-thought-out opinion on that, um, but there are Bible-believing Christians who have a different thought process about it. And I would say that's a moral issue, whether or not somebody needs to be baptized to be to be saved, right? Um, and there are disagreements within that. So inevitably, there is at least a degree of forming your own moral code. Oh, oh, oh um, totally. I, I agree. I, I agree in the sense of man. I mean, has always created their own his own moral code, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you track that down all throughout the history of 
of you know not only American history history but world history and people all around the world have their own standards of of morality but what I'm saying is that uh, when man certain segments of society or people certain people groups or certain religious systems when they create their own moral code of course that is not in harmony with the law of God then that always equals destruction so take for an example hitler in in 20th century germany Mm -hmm. of course he created a moral code that he propagated all throughout the nation that what did he deem Mm -hmm. he deemed jews homosexuals the mentally impaired of course he killed you know millions of russians that people don't even talk about but he did create Mm -hmm. his own moral code and i think that that is elucidated and explained in mein kampf right but that's a it's a it's a wrong code it's a horrible code it's a code uh that led to the the death of of untold millions i mean we don't even have Mm -hmm. an exact number so what i'm saying is that if morality is left to consensus right if if we're saying okay we all create our own moral codes and morality is left to consensus then there is no objective standard of morality there's no accounting for Mm -hmm. that because as many atheists say, well, what is the most moral root or the, or the best moral code is for us to all do that, which is the best for one another. So morality is defined by, you know, um, showing each human being the most amount of, amount of mercy and goodness and love that you can give them and not harming them. If you talk to an atheist and say, this is my moral code. But what I'm saying is that, you know, if Hitler says, no, my moral code is that I think Jews are less than human. You know, how can we contest his moral code if the basis of morality is left to consensus and it's actually just a convention of the mind of man? How, how do you contest right. him? Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a fair statement. Um, I don't necessarily think there is an objective morality um, any more than there's, you know, objectively any other concept. I think it's it's something conceptual. Um, what I about think gravity? It is consensus-based, um, necessarily. Uh, I think some of the some of the things you brought up about, you know, with, with Hitler and with killing infidels and all that, um, I would say there are instances in the Old Testament that were sort of like that, and if we're appealing to man's conscience, um, if that's really a God-granted thing uh, to lead you to him, then there are quite quite a few instances in the Old Testament, and even towards the end of the New Testament, where on a purely conscience level, it's it seems sort of reprehensible to me, but yeah. the Christian... Would the Bible-believing Christian would have to say that not only was, you know, we brought this up last time, the uh, killing of babies of from other countries, you know, women and children, uh, wipe them all out to a man. Uh, not only is that permitted, but that was that was a good, thing. it was a great thing, it was a loving thing, merciful, all that, wise, and it's on. Um, for my conscience, anyway, that seems kind of, kind of atrocious. But right. if God okay. commanded it, it's necessarily good. Okay, so, we, we could talk. I can give an answer to why did why God did 
Um, and he did. He he mandated and he commanded the mm-hmm. determination of people groups back in the Old Testament. I'll get to that in a second. So, but you're saying this. You're saying um, you're saying that it's wrong that God did that, right? But who are you to say uh, uh, that? Not, not not quite. I'd say it feels wrong to my conscience. Okay, so God let's just that. say a guy, James, is a fictitious character, says it's wrong. How can God? claim to be good and still do that that that's wrong to do that now my question to james would be by which standard are you appealing to to tell me that it's wrong Mm -hmm. if my moral code Mm -hmm. can just be my own moral code based upon my own senses reasoning my own observation my schooling my past my parenting how do you find concrete morality within that i mean because all i have to do is say well, so what? You know, I I think it's okay. If you think it's okay, then that's just your truth. That's mm-hmm. just your own moral code that you've constructed for yourself. So I, what I'm saying is that in that model of morality, uh, where do you find objective st- the objective morality? Now, what I would contest too is what you'd said earlier is, and Desi, I'm sorry, I'm dominating no, all the time. It's fine. I just, I like talking to this guy. Yeah, I like <laughs> is, listening. Is that objective, st- you know, objectivity, and of course, and I'm just for the sake of the audience listening to us, objectivity is something that's rooted in fact, right? It's not rooted in opinion or bias. It's rooted in fact. It, it's that which conforms to reality. An objective standard is something that's absolutely true for everyone, for all, all people, all the time in any place. I think that's one of the best different definitions for absolute truth or objective standards. It's a standard which yeah, is I true agree. for everyone, everywhere, at all times. Now, if a guy came up to you, brother, and said, hey, look, you know, I think it's okay to put cigarette, cigarette butts out on little babies' faces, you mm-hmm. would say there, regardless of, of what segment of society you may be in around this globe regardless of what period of history you may find yourself in regardless of your schooling or whatever it is objectively true that it it is never right to put a bit to put a cigarette butt out on a baby's face right so the question is where where does that come from that objective standard where why are we all so you know uh why are we all so resolute and so convicted to to believe that it's never okay to harm such an innocent little human being? And I, I think that within right. the, within a Christian worldview, of course, when a with a, a Christian worldview, the way that we would account from that, account that, or the way that we would explain that, would be we're created in the image of God. That God has mm-hmm. God is good. God is not evil. And God has given within us internally this mechanism of the conscience that instructs us about what is good and what is evil. That's what distinguishes us from all of creation. We're created in the image of God. Now, does do you want to go ahead and talk about something, or you, you want to add on to that? Um, no, um, I, I kind of wanted to back up just a little bit, just um, because I just wanted to make sure you had a clear understanding of like the basic Christian you know the foundations of the faith you said that um even the christian would say that they would choose at some point to believe and that's not what we believe we actually believe that everybody is dead in their sins that their hearts are uh, darkened our minds are darkened we don't know the truth we're unable to know the truth um until we have the gift of salvation um and so at that point god gives us a new heart 
he allows our mind, opens our mind, opens our eyes to see. Um, and so uh, I think you alluded to that, that, that we would believe that it was given to us, um, not that it was a choice, but I just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that you understood that just, it was just kind of a passing comment, but we do believe that everybody is dead in their sins. We're all, we are all headed to hell. We are all separated to God until God gives us, grants us the gift of uh, repentance and faith. Um, so that was it um, for me for that for now. Okay, cool. Yeah. Go ahead. And uh, I just wanted you to have time to respond to that. Bill. Um, um, about or respond to her about, or me uh, or whatever like formed theology no no or? what we were talking you could respond to des whatever it means or you can go along with the train of our thought that we were we we're talking about morality here and if you know we can account right. in an atheistic worldview for the actual existence of morality so i you know i i'd said a lot and then desi went into what she said so i just wanted to make sure you had time to to say what you wanted to say yeah yeah um well so Insofar as the idea of an objective morality that we can all agree it's a bad idea to put cigarettes out on infants, you know, that, that's, that's fair. I can definitely agree to that. Um, as a little side note, I don't, do, are you, do you know what coining is? Have you heard that term before? I only know about it because of my job, actually. No, I don't. Mm-mm. No, it's, so it's a, a, a practice. I, I don't want to get it wrong. It, it's not, it's not an American practice. It's not a European practice. Um, but some people from uh, different groups around the world, there's what's called coining, and they think that putting the marks of coins, like burning marks, on sick children helps helps them get better for whatever reason. You know, um, that's part of their religion. That's part of their morality, I guess. Um, and that that's it's actually protected by the state. So that's not like. I only know that, like I said, because of my job. Because wow. that's absolutely atrocious. They, that's horrific. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, it, it it is a thing, and like I said, it, it's protected by the state. Um, not mm. something I would do. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but but not to, and I guess that would lead me into morality and the law. But I think that's maybe <laughs> biting off more than we can chew for for one conversation. So, but yeah. Uh, just an interesting side note. Yeah, um, that 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 does occur, and some people do think that's moral. Yeah, that's um, that's absolutely wicked, and that so, just goes to show you, from our yeah. point of view, the way that the we can, the way that we can kind of account for that wickedness within the heart of a person to actually believe that that'd be permissible, is because of mm-hmm. the depravity of man. Mm-hmm. That man is born in sin. That we are, uh, you know, sin. Like Desi just said, it spiritually alienates us from God. Sin is the biggest problem of mankind. And it's this mm-hmm. natural disposition to do that which is not right. Um, and that is in the heart of everyone until God, by his grace, grants that person a new heart to be able to you know, love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. And God is all about mm-hmm. justice. God is all about uh, goodness. You know, And just to not get away from what you had said before, I'm going to give you an answer. And yeah, God did command. Um, you know, folks back in the Old Testament, he did he did command the termination of people groups. The way that we explain that is that number one, regardless of our opinion of God, which most of atheistic disagreement over Christianity is their hatred for the God of the Bible and the explanation. And of course, you know, the Bible even explains that that's a byproduct of sin. 
that we are not right with God, that because we're born in sin, we're rebels against him. We're at enmity. We're enemies with him and we naturally hate him. Just like you naturally do the wrong thing or you naturally struggle to do the right thing, but you naturally doing the right thing is easy. Let me explain that a little bit better. I don't have to teach my kids how to do the wrong thing, right? You actually have to teach children how to do the right thing because we naturally know how to do the wrong thing. You know, I don't have to tell my kids and they're in pink. My, my dad got them a ping pong table because we're in this pandemic quarantine type of thing and you just go out there and they're fighting tooth and nail over the ping pong throwing paddles at each other you know it's something i don't have to go out there and urge them to do that i have to be hey hold on you know chill right <laughs> let's yeah. enjoy yeah, I've, ping I've, pong. I've always heard that you <laughs> never have to teach your kids the word no and mine yeah exactly that. yeah and that actually <laughs> is a is a the fruit of the condition of the heart of man and and we would say in our from a christian worldview it, it goes to show you the the natural disposition of of man and his 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 nature which is corrupted broken dead uh, depraved by sin now in saying that when god commands the termination of specific people groups and segments of society he has every right to do that because he um he's he the bible said he is the author of life he has the authority to give life, and he has the authority himself to take it away. The Bible says that all that he does is righteous, and all that he does is good. Now, you might retort and say, well, how can you serve this type of a God? Well, you get into the condition of man. Now, we believe that all men everywhere are entitled to goodness. You know, somebody asks this question, you know, how can... How can God let bad things happen to good people? But I think a more theologically precise uh, question when you get into this type of subject is how can an all good, gracious, loving God even do one good thing for rebellious people, for a people that break his law? The Bible says drink in iniquity like it was water. Mm -hmm. right? So what I'm saying is that because we break the law of God, day by day each one of us and christians do too a good explanation for christian is we're not better than anybody we're but we're better off because jesus christ has forgiven us of our sin um, mm -hmm. but in my explanation here everyone deserves the justice of god because we've broken his law so if god does choose a vehicle by which he carries out capital punishment on a person they have received their due because of their crimes against the god that created them that created mm -hmm. so if a, if a particular people group if god says you are going to receive my justice in your death well he has the prerogative to do that one because he's the creator and number two because they have violated his law they are culpable for punishment and we get that within our justice system i mean we walked into a courtroom and uh, there was all sorts of people guilty of rape and murder and all this and all this and sudden the judge stands up and says i'm a good judge i'm just going to let everybody go I mean, we, we'd go crazy. The guy would be disbarred. I mean, it'd be a riot if this good, mm -hmm. supposedly good judge, quote unquote, let all of these criminals go away for free, you know, because yeah. in the pretense now, that he's somehow if, good. If, go go if ahead. that same judge said that, you know, you raped somebody, so I'm going to kill your one-year-old, I would also disbar him, <laughs> to be fair. Right. Yeah, so that's kind of the explanation from a Christian worldview. Now, what we mm -hmm. do at, at Apologia, in Apologia Church and Apologia Studios, is we come from not an evidentiary model of apologetics or defending our faith based upon evidence, even though there's amazing evidence out there, but, but mainly from a presuppositional apologetical 
platform, and I don't know if you know what that is, but we all have innate presuppositions that we bring to the table. We have presuppositions mm-hmm. that we take for granted that actually, it colors the way that we view evidence. It, it really determines our worldview. Now, what, what I, when I talk about giving a, an account for something or, or escaping the realm of arbitrariness, what I'm talking about is that with, if, if God is not the foundation of our worldview, if God is not the explanation of, of all things, and this, let me, maybe this can be very easy to understand, hopefully. What we're saying to anybody outside of the faith that does not have the God of the Bible as the foundation of all knowledge and everything else, as their explanation of the world, how do you make sense of anything if God is not that, if is, is not the explanation? You know, what we're saying is that the God of the Bible, in his character profile, in who he is, timeless, spaceless, all-powerful, all-good, this designer of all, all things, that in his character profile is the accounting for all things. Now, Mm-hmm. It, it, let me let me say it this way from an atheistic worldview how do you make sense of your worldview how do you do it you know and and i don't know if you wanted to to answer that but that is our big question for the atheist because we cannot yeah. you know it's it's one thing to say we have certain things we we have the ability to be moral and we don't say that the you know the atheists out there just running around killing eating people no but we are what we are saying is that for anyone outside of the christian faith to be able to make sense of what they believe they are always borrowing from the christian worldview and attempting to doing to do so they're actually borrowing from the christian worldview when it comes to their own ability to reason does that make sense hopefully i wasn't yeah yeah i yeah i mean there's, you know, no question that uh, Christianity has impacted our view on on morality and, to some degree, logic. Although that's more Greek than than um, Semitic. But um, yeah, it's certainly an influence on on how we we feel about things. Um, yeah. So to be clear, I'm not I'm not an atheist. Um, I was just going to ask that. You know, I not confident enough to affirm something like that uh okay yeah i, I apologize I, I, isn't I, yeah i don't um, think i, I didn't I, mean to I put words in your mouth more, more questioning i guess yeah um okay well let's let's now, go back oh go ahead you can finish the thought i'm sorry about that go ahead yeah no that's okay okay um <laughs> okay desi's next because i've been hogging all the no, time no it's okay it's great yeah, no, i just want no, to say something yeah, after bill's done go ahead bill you go ahead first and then i'll Okay. Um, like I said before, I think there's there's no way around that eventually you, as an individual, decide what you think is right or wrong, which is certainly related to um, a person's belief in God, and then a step further from that, a person's belief in the Bible, um, which one does not necessitate the other. Um but eventually it is you and your own decision-making process um, coming to that conclusion. And I understand I understand the, the theology of uh, that you didn't do that on your own, that you had divine providence make that happen, um, which would also beg the question, why doesn't it happen for everybody? Um, which I think is a moral question. 
but uh, I think there's if 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 we're meeting in the realm of you know all right let's let's understand one another let's make things understood sure for one another mm-hmm. I think if if the basis of the conversation is well I only know these things because because God showed them to me and he hasn't shown them to you yet so you're just not going to know <laughs> you know uh, the, there there has to be some some kind of meeting ground um and you know honestly even if even if there really isn't I still certainly enjoy talking about all these things and you guys are really nice and really articulate um so yeah yeah and like to keep you, like to keep doing it but um yeah as as far as as like appealing to things like conscience or reason it feels like it can be appealed to but ultimately if anything is outside of what's logical or conscionable then um it can be invoked that well that that's god and god can do what he wants so yeah I think that the the accounting of that and the explanation, though, is I think it it's, it's definitely um, has some philosophical undergirding there. I mean, what you're saying is like we can just simply get God off the hook by saying, "Oh, you know what, God? If God says it's right, then it is right." Well, ultimately, you know what? <laughs> what I was trying to get to is that there's there's no way of determining what's right or, or wrong outside of God being the explanation of that. I could just kind of counter by saying, well, you know, that's just the way, this is the way I feel and you feel the way that you feel. And I mean, because it's all relative, there's no really way of, of coming to a conclusion. Uh, but when we say that we gave you this explanation of God ordering the termination of a specific people group, and that was done out of goodness. Well, if the scriptures are true, then yeah, he has every right. And so what I'm saying is it doesn't violate our own understanding of justice. It doesn't violate the understanding of justice that God has given to each one of us, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah. when you had, I think you had talked about, I'll never really get it unless God grants that type of truth to me. And yeah, we do believe mm-hmm. that. We believe repentance is a change of mind, and we pray that God would gift you that. Ultimately, that is it's something that God mm-hmm. gives you in his, in his grace and his mercy, and it comes by way of the gospel message and the truth that we shared to you. Uh, God, again, because he's the creator, he's entitled to do nothing other than his own will and pleasure. I mean, he is, and I was talking to a guy the other day, I'd say, man, just take, you know, because he was pretty hardline atheist, but I asked him this question, I said, even if God exists, does it, does your opinion of him even matter? Does anybody's opinion of him on the planet that created, he created matter? I mean, if if God does exist, he is going to be the God that he is. And our understanding of him and our like or dislike of him has no bearing on who he is in his own being. He's the God that created mm-hmm. us. This is the way that he set up the world. And you think that the God and, you know, we are not just appealing to some um, deistic God or some um, unexplanatory God. We believe the only the only God that fulfills the preconditions of the intelligibility of our own human experience is the God of the Bible and him alone, right? But regardless if we hate him or we love him, it's not going to change who he is. He is who he is, and he best explains himself in the Bible. But we do know that, um, you know, this is not the end of the road for you. We pray that this would be hopefully a road to where you're 
your eyes are open that God by his grace would give to you, would gift you faith, would give you, give you repentance. That's what we want because we love you, man. We, we care about okay. your life. We know that there is so much life and there is so much healing and there is so much uh, abundance in following Christ that we want for you. But let me, can I switch gears for a little bit and just talk about a few sure. syllogies? Yep. Yeah, we'll go for maybe about 10, 12, 12 more minutes. But right. Oh no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but it's it's kind of coming back to abortion. Actually, we we haven't even talked about the topic of abortion, which we kind of are glad we've been talking only about yeah. abortion lately, and we're going to kind of shift gears in the future episodes. But I've got a syllogism for you, and I want to I want to hear what you think about it. Here's a syllogism. Premise number one says it is wrong and evil to intentionally kill innocent human beings. That's the premise. It is wrong and evil to intentionally kill innocent human beings. Premise two, an abortion is the legalized intentional act of killing an innocent developing human being. I'll repeat that. Premise two is an an abortion is the legalized intentional act of killing an innocent developing human being. Therefore, the conclusion abortion is wrong and evil. How would you respond to that? Um, I'd bring it back to our discussion last time, I guess, and, and defining exactly what is a, a human being. Um, and like I said last time, so I, I guess the first issue would be with premise one, mm-hmm. um, because I simply don't think a, something that's 16 cells old and a mass of just that ha- is the equivalent of what could be described as an innocent human being. Eventually, it'll, yeah, eventually it'll be a human being. Uh, we can discuss innocence. That's that's another, you know, not that I think anybody deserves it. I actually think that's more of a problem for a Christian than, than uh, an agnostic, undeciding innocence. Um, but, yeah, I, like I said last time, I think the, the quality of human experience is what defines a human. Okay. Um, so what not you, just not just simply DNA, because okay. then otherwise all sorts of other things would be uh, people would have problems with within the church, but they don't. Right. So we we would say a human being is distinct from any other cre- creature that they have intrinsic with because they're created in the image of God. Actually, have they're to be held to a, a greater value than other things. You know? And we, I think we've gone through this. You know, a, a little baby boy is not the same as a as a cockroach, you know, even though they're, they're creatures, mm-hmm. uh, one has created the image of God's human being and therefore more important. But what I'm trying to track is kind of your, your thought process here is that what you're saying is that because a human being and the baby at the moment fertilization is a human being, um, mm-hmm. based upon their okay. DNA, it's a human, it's no other species, you know, it's coded, the genetic code is human, homo sapien, right? Uh, but w- what we're saying is that certain humans that are in a developmental period in their lifespan carry less value than others. So therefore they can be killed. Is that correct? Uh, I would say at a certain period in the development, they're not what is properly constituted as a human being with rights. Um, And because there are other human beings with qualia and rights, involved in that process um, that sometimes have events happen that are outside of their control, sometimes off of them, 
happens that are outside of their control. Um, that there's there's more nuance to it than just those three statements. But yeah, I would say that um, something that's a handful of cells old is no really no more of a human being than the sperm or egg that you know sure it shares human dna so does a sperm and an egg so does skin um but is it something that has like a mental framework uh you know is it something that experiences things almost definitely not sure um Um, yeah there's it's it's fairly obvious there comes a time when it does uh which makes the debate harder at those stages uh i definitely admit that um like we talked about last time you know on on a personal level um terminating a baby the day before it's meant to be born is is not you know that's certainly a a human being with human experiences um, I, yeah i don't know but, because what you're saying is that still that's a developing in it, that's a developing human organism. Now, when we're talking about sperm and an egg, you know, we hear it a lot at the abortion clinic. It's just a clump of cells. Now, we're all cells. You know, we have, what, a trillion cells mm-hmm. in our body, you know, at any given time, you know, kind of um, getting, passing off old ones, getting new ones. Uh, but a human, or, human body parts are different than a human organism, right? So that when the sperm and the egg come together, then in that process, you know, we believe God creates a human organism. So a human organism can't be compared to a human body part, like a, like a sperm or anything. Those are parts. Fluid. Or, yeah. yeah, but they're not necessarily a, a unique human organism, you know, that has its own genetic structure. It's, it, it's, a, it's a unique genotype. You know, if you just let that little organism, you know, stay in the mother's womb un, unimpeded or unmolested, it's going to come out with its own you know, particular look, its own uh, yeah, fingerprints. Generally, it's, yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's gonna. It's a. It's a human being. You just let that. You just let that. Leave that baby alone. It's gonna come out and and uh, continue to develop. But I think following your train of logic, though, you know, you're talking about how it, it it's wrong for a person to go up inside of a woman right the day before that baby's mm-hmm. gonna be born. I don't see how you could defend that with your own explanation because it's a developing human being. And it has a degree of qualia, right? It right. has a particular degree of qualia at that moment. But and qualia is a little sticky subject too, because we have all sorts of people Definitely. that you know they um, they go in and out of qualia in a coma. They, there's horrible accidents. And some people can be in, and they lose their qualia. They lose their human experience. But I don't. I'm not believing mm-hmm. you would say that'd be okay to go in and kill a guy who, you know, got in a motorcycle accident and now his level of self experience or human experience is drastically mitigated and even his qualia, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's all sorts of people with you know, genetic deficiencies that have mm-hmm. abnormal levels of qualia, qualia and so if qualia was as a if we're saying a particular person needs a degree of qualia and able to be treated like a human, we're getting in a pretty scary, scary realm, right? Then the then the doors would be open to eliminate a whole bunch of segments of society who have, you know, um, deficient levels of qualia based upon their birth, based upon their experience, based upon tragic events. 
You see what I mean? Right. What I'm saying um, is, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I, I, I see what you mean. I'd say there's a difference between a diminished level of qualia and a qualia of zero. Um, I would also say life experience is important for what a human human being is. Like, you know, the Holocaust has been brought up a couple of times, um, and I certainly think it's different to eliminate a 14-year-old than it is something that's never experienced anything and, you know. So what, what, what I'm seeing right here, Bill, and, and I hope you know that when I say this, we, we've already told you all, you know, over and over again, we appreciate you and we, we love you and mm -hmm. it's just a pleasure talking with you. But what you've done, Bill, is you've made yourself God. So you are now, and this is what we, and when I say you, I say this is what we all do outside of Christ. So we become the arbiter of truth. Now we become the judge and jury. We become, it, it depends on our own, um, you know, experiences. And so I'm hearing you talk and what you've done is you've erected an idol and, and you ha are now, it's, it's based upon Bill's experience. Um, and what that comes from, it's just we, at like John 319 says, men love darkness rather than the light. So what we do is, you know, we love our pornography, we love our sex outside of marriage. You know, we do the things against God um, that we want to do. And if we had to answer to somebody, well, that would throw a wet blanket because on all of it, because um, sin can be pleasurable, sin can be um, fun and enjoyable. And so we we don't want that. We don't want to answer to anybody. So what we do is we kind of come up with all these different things. I think we could talk for hours actually on the Old Testament. We could talk about different religions. We could talk about different dynasties and cultures throughout the nation or throughout history. Um, we could talk about U.S. history. I mean, we could go on for hours and hours, but ultimately what you're doing is you're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. And um, what that is, is just because you love your sin. And I'm like I said, I'm not saying you, Bill, this is not a personal attack on you, but I am talking about you and I'm talking about me and I'm talking about everybody else before they come to Christ and are outside of Christ. Um, it It's just kind of going through all this stuff. I think it's important to go through um, all of these things and presuppositional, presuppositional apologetics and stuff kind of shows what we see as the insanity of atheism, although you're saying you're, you're kind of on the fence. Um, but there's already just in creation itself there's proof of a creator and so why is it so far of a leap for you? my question would be why is it so far of a leap for you? you you're saying you may be open to the fact that there's a creator why would that creator not make himself known in the person of jesus christ and not in the bible like what is your main qualm um is it because he holds uh, these standards, uh, you know, in his word that you're saying you don't want to submit to him? Um, is it because you're saying, well, in the Old Testament, in your perspective, it doesn't add up, but, um, or is it because you love the darkness rather than the light? You love pornography, you love sex outside of marriage, you love all of these things that all of us in our natural state love. Um, do you consider yourself to be a good person? Like Proverbs 26 says, many a man proclaims his own goodness. And I did this before I was saved. I would have told you until I was blue in the face that I was a good person because I hadn't done as bad of things as most people in my mind. But do you consider yourself to be a good person? Um, yeah, so let me go 
through those yeah, go uh, ahead. as best I can. Um, insofar as the idea of making yourself an idol and making yourself God and deciding things for yourself, um, I, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, you know, I used to be Christian, used to be quite Christian. Um, so I, I understand what you're saying, but I disagree. I don't think I'm, I'm making myself God. I think I'm accepting that I'm a, a thinking person that, uh, well, I think, and, and as it, you, that's just for a point of clarification, as valid as as anybody else's, including the people that have decided on their own terms that you know the God of the Bible is God. Um, insofar as you we, know, we didn't what, decide on our own what terms. What keeps though. me from being Christian um, at the moment? I, I, it's a mix of things. I'd say, uh, yeah, there's certainly. Uh, issues that I take with with the Bible, both morally, uh, especially the Old Testament, morally, um, and relating to history and the things that that again, I, I know you don't believe in evolution or, or things like that, um, or you know any account of human history that would disagree with the Bible. But there's good reasons to think that there are things there that maybe didn't occur or. Uh, things that God commanded in the Old Testament that talking about the subject of morality if anybody else did they'd be seen as a monster um, so I think that's a big thing um, but standard things too you know I think socially uh, people conform to things and I know I'm not immune to that I think people get into uh, religion and Christianity for social reasons, largely, and leave it for social reason, reasons, large, largely. So, um, you know, I don't think I'm outside of that, uh, but I don't think I'm I'm foolish about it. And it's not, you know, I I definitely don't don't hate God or you know, I'm angry at God or anything like that. Um, as far as whether or not I'm a good person, uh, I think. I mean that, that that's hard to say. I I do selfish things a lot of times. I do selfless things sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, it's hard to put myself on whatever sliding scale a good human is. Um, I would say I don't do anything atrocious, and I don't do anything overly heroic. So uh, I, I I don't know how much I believe in the the idea of a good and bad person. I think that's a little simplistic but you know I, th I think you guys would agree with that but at least well no we believe um actually do you know what holy means the word holy oh, yeah holy yeah the, the word uh, holy when we talk about god being yeah, holy set apart yeah yeah, yeah set apart That's a good, mm -hmm. exactly. not common yeah yeah so just go, going back a little bit just taking a couple steps back when we were talking about you know you being the arbiter of truth your own god uh, we do believe that it's on it, it is on display in the heart of sinful man because what they do is they they erect standards um, they erect what it, whether it be moral standards standards of goodness and then they go ahead and live by these standards and so they do construct a way of thinking and a way of behavior um, and and they do become the arbiters of their own standards of truth which you know is <laughs> Let me explain it this way: with all of with 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 truth, 
in, in as, as it is. You know, we were talking about objective standards of truth, absolute truth, um, objective standards standards of morality. We believe those things absolutely do exist. But again, there is no accounting of them outside of God as the explanation. And when somebody says, well, you know, it's just my opinion. You know, I, I'm this is the way I see life and this is my moral code. Then they do become an arbiter, the arbiter of truth, for the quote unquote truth for, for themselves, because truth is not left open um, for us to invent. Truth is not a product of our own bias or own opinion. Truth is that which corresponds to reality. Truth is truth, whether we believe it, whether we not. And of course, um, you know, we're, we're held to that standard and we live in the, in the world that God created. So when, when Desi's talking about goodness, you know, we, the Bible says that every man believes that he is pure in his own eyes. That if you would ask a person, and we would ask many, you know, if you were to stand before God today and he were to say, why, why should I let you into heaven? The, the basic response is, I'm a pretty good person, mm-hmm. right? And this is kind of the heart of the gospel explanation is that according to God's standard, right? Not according to ours. Um, because, you know, I think in your saying, I don't really believe that there could be good or bad, or I think it's maybe uh, more complex than that. I, I agree. I, I, I think if goodness and evil were left open to some, anybody to explain, then, you know, all, all person A would have to do would be to con- contradict person B and who's who's right you know we kind of said that last time so there is no grounding for good or evil uh in consensus there is no grounding for good of evil anywhere outside of an objective standard we all can appeal to and point to and say no this is why this is bad because of this right Mm -hmm. but we all Mm -hmm. know intrinsically regardless of our belief in the scriptures or our our, um you know submission to god at all we all we all can't get away from the objective standard of morality that's that's there and that's intrinsic uh and inherent to our our own existence right so but and we we explained the gospel to you last time but the big deception of sin is that we believe that that we're good we believe that that we're going to fare well when we stand before god in our sin uh disconnected from jesus but in reality when we do stand before god according to the scriptures the bible says god has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness and he's going to judge us based upon that standard that he's written upon our heart and the standard that's explained in his law. And if we've fallen short of that, then we'll be guilty criminals before a just God. Right? So the Bible says many, many pro- proclaim their own goodness. But in actuality, if we were to view ourselves through the lenses of Scripture and we were really concerned about how the God of the universe views us outside of Christ, so we are culpable criminals and that we're headed to a punishment there that we rightly deserved. I mean, when we're talking about God, according to the Christian worldview and Christian perspective, we're talking about this being of an immense, like Desi said, and you explained it really well, you know, this set-apart God who is he's absolutely pure in all that he does. I mean, when Jesus walked the face of the earth, you can think for 33 years, he never even said a sinful word or thought a sinful thought. I mean, he was he was pure without sin but this god who is absolutely pure and absolutely holy and absolutely righteous and good i mean if you're an absolutely pure being be almost beyond comprehension i mean the littlest evil is a big deal the littlest sins that's why people ask well why can this why can god you know exact this type of punishment upon unbelieving man well it has to do with his own nature 
his own goodness, his own purity, that that standard to where uh, to an absolutely pure and holy God, even the smallest thing can can seem almost infinitely evil, which would require a a punishment that fits the crime. And that's our explanation of hell, you know, which is an eternal jail cell for those outside of Christ. So we don't want you to go there, brother. We want you to know Christ. We're not going to pull punches. This is what we believe. And, you know, we are we are not called to grab you by the your throat and somehow shake it into you. Um, we just in love tell you the truths of the scripture, the way to salvation, the way of being made right with God through Jesus Christ, which is repentance and uh, turning to him in faith. And that's what we, we would want for you. Mm-hmm. We, we could go into a lot more. We're kind of getting long. We don't want to make our our sessions too long. I'm going to let you have the last word and then we're going to wrap it up and we can do do something like this again in the future. We're going to probably depart from abortion, the topic of abortion, talk about other stuff for a while, but I just want you to know that we appreciate your your collectedness and your ability to articulate yourself very well um, and your just your your graciousness, man. It's something that we don't get a lot and we we truly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, I, I appreciate you guys, too, and, you know, I enjoyed uh, last time I called in, and I enjoyed this as well, um, so thanks for the opportunity, um, and, you know, if in the future you want me to come back in, I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. Uh, right, and I'm I was thinking... Down to talk about whatever. So. Yeah, we could talk. It's probably not going to be for a little bit, because we want to shift gears a little bit, but if you want, we could correspond through Facebook. I'd love to hear your heart on some of the things. I know we we tend to cover a lot of mm-hmm. subjects and maybe we have a little bit run on sentences. I just don't want you to feel like you you weren't heard um, or you didn't weren't able to kind of express your your thoughts on a particular subject. So I'm always open to talk via messenger if you want to con- kind of continue the conversation or if you have things that you'd like to challenge me on based upon all the claims that we've made. We'd love to just be able to do that. We're you know, this show is not about saying, look how we trashed Bill. You know, we, yeah. we won the argument. Mm-hmm. You know, look look how we showed up Bill and proved him wrong. You know, part of the Christian um, mandate and commission is to dismantle certain ideological systems that we believe are at war. And so we, we have to do that in submission to Christ. But ultimately, mm-hmm. we want you to know Christ. We don't want to um, just proudly or glory in a glory seeking way just say look how we demolish this person no, we want you to come to the truth this is all about bringing the truth to you and and thinking these things through of course from uh, you know we we stand on the scriptures as our as, as our basis of as our base authority and what we appeal to of course but just to simplify we want you to know christ we want you to know the truth we just want to deliver it to you as the best that we can and we're kind of green at this we're kind of new <laughs> at all this but that that's got to be the motive of the christian you know the bible says that we're not loving people in our communication of the truth and god uh, doesn't bless that and it's just it's it's pretty much futile and uh, impotent so yeah yeah do you still have a bible at home bill uh i do not know oh maybe um after we get off, we can message Zach. We'd like to send you a, just a Bible. I know you said that you have a background in Christianity, but I would just pray that you, you're saying you're open-minded to these things, that you don't have it all figured out, but I'd pray that you would just start reading that Bible and uh, crying out to God for salvation. Um, 
because we do believe that that is the only way to eternal life and we believe that it's the only way here on earth to be set free from from sin that we're actually slaves to sin until jesus christ sets us free so um, we're going to send you a bible and we're going to keep praying for you and we we really do love you and we're so thankful for the time um like zach said thank you for your graciousness and um we're not going to give up praying for you bill all right brother well i'll uh correspond with you on messenger Thanks, man. I appreciate you coming All right. on. All right. Thanks, yeah, Bill. Take it easy. All right. Okay. See ya. Bye. Yeah, bye. That was good. What'd you think about the conversation? It was good. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully I didn't get it too uh, um, philosophical there. Hopefully mm-hmm. things were oh, explained good. well. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. You know, I wanted to get a little bit... We got into morality, which I didn't even think we were going to really touch on. But now that I'm kind of thinking about our last conversation, I think that was a large part you know, because what we're saying, it's wrong, it's evil, but he's pretty much saying, hey, morality is open to my opinion, right? right? Which you, if you say that, you're right, you become the arbiter of morality, you become mm-hmm. the arbiter of truth. And when you say that, morality doesn't exist. Right. So for for me to say abortion is evil, and for him to account for morality via consensus or just the subjective experience of an individual, we have no right to call anything evil or to call anything good. Right. If that was your accounting, then there exists no evil or good. And most, uh, or a lot of atheists believe that there is no evil or good yeah. until you do something evil against them. And then we're like, wait a second. No, that's, yeah, well, there, is, there is evil and good. Yeah, and it's funny because he kind of gave examples. He's like, well, what about this and what about that? I mean, we can look at the different dynasties and all the different things throughout history and you know he we talked about nazi germany and you know we talk about american history and you know it's just funny to me that an atheist well he's not even saying he's an atheist he's like agnostic yeah. but um on the fence mm-hmm. it, it just proves that you've got all these di- different objections you know um people objecting each other when it comes to morality like this group over here would say this is right and this group over here would say this is right it's like how do we have how do we know what is truth without outside of the word of god yeah there is no way to do it exactly yeah you got uh population a or Mm -hmm. just say group a group b Mm -hmm. this is my moral code this is my moral code how do we know what's right yeah so what would you say to the person who is dealing with this at home or at their workplace they've got um a friend or a neighbor that they're in the same boat as as bill they're kind of wrestling and they're they have all these questions would you encourage them to um, just go through line item by line item, or would you um, have any other um, kind of suggestions on how to how to direct the conversation back to the gospel? Because without a new heart, Bill's not gonna. Yeah, exactly. We're we're um, you know when we engage in presuppositional apologetics, it's a command. The Bible says, "Don't answer the fool according to his own folly," and then it says, "Actually, answer." The, the fool according to his own uh, presuppositions and that what we're trying to do in that which is a you know a scriptural command when we use presuppositional apologetics is we're trying to expose the folly of the worldview the inability of an atheistic worldview any worldview out there outside of the Christian worldview in their attempts to make sense of this world without appealing to God as the preconditions of intelligibility does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah he has to be your the finger that you this is why i believe this is why i believe and this is how we make sense of our experience mm-hmm. this is how we account for the laws of logic by which we reason with or the uniformity 
of nature, believing that the future is going to be like the past. Right. You know, this is how we account for morality. It's only based upon the revealed character and just the being of God himself. It's we point to him and say it's because of him. It's not that not that hard. Yeah. So we use that as a way to show in, a, in accordance with the scripture, the folly of abandoning God as your authoritative base that you stand on right. for the claims that you make and the worldview that you live by. That's the basis of presuppositional apologetics. But in that, and I'm glad you did that. And I think you, you, you pretty much um, demonstrated that we had, we had got into back and forth when it comes to morality, abortion, you, you brought it around to the gospel. So that's what we have to do in our presuppositional apologetical attempts, First Peter 3.15, having that reason defense, which God commands us, is we want to make sure that the gospel is communicated. Mm -hmm. And so you could say, hey, we could talk about this for a little bit. We had already shared the gospel right. with him, so mm -hmm. it wasn't on my mind at the moment because right. that, that duty has already been accomplished. Right. Um, but like you're saying, just in the general experience of the Christian, whether or not they're talking with a person on the street or their own family member, in your argumentation, which should be civil and loving and tempered and not crazy, you know, right? Uh, yeah. You want to get the gospel message out, right? And yeah. and like the truth of scripture is that like there are no atheists. Bill knows that there's a creator, right? Yeah. And, and it's not because there's not enough evidence. Creation in itself is evidence enough to show that there's a creator. But the reason why Bill and all of us in our natural state, separated from Christ don't believe is because we love the darkness rather than the light we love our sin and we want to continue on in our sin um right and so bringing that truth forward um and so i would just say too you don't have to be afraid of these conversations when i became a christian i was like terrified that somebody was gonna <laughs> ask me these questions or what i would say or how i would respond or when they start going into levitical codes and you're like what where do i go you just bring them back to the gospel because it's the gospel that saves the gospel is going to open up their minds and like zach said we're we are called to demolish these things but um we don't have to be perfect we don't have to be eloquent we can say hey you know what i don't know that answer but i can get back to you i can talk about it with my pastor um but the important thing is um, engaging and showing like going through that all today it really shows the insanity of um an atheistic or agnostic worldview is because there is no standard it's all chaos in that world right and bill we're not saying you're insane we know you listen to this yeah um, but we believe that if you abandon the scriptures you abandon god right the god that the bible says that you 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 know exists because we're all going to be without an excuse you abandon if you abandon him then you live in the world of absurdity right right to where claims are made but there's no ability to explain those claims in an atheistic worldview right and it, maybe to explain that a little bit better if we believe that we're somehow complex in complex in, in a manner that we can't even imagine of course darwin didn't even believe that the the cell was as in incalculably and almost inexplicably complex as we can imagine mm -hmm. insanely complex organisms um, if we imagine, can imagine that those things came by molecules bumping around, unguided, just chance processes, just mathematically, it's it's impossible for that to happen. So what I'm getting at is that if you look to evolution, if you say, hey, look, we're just over four and a half billion years, you know, as uh, stars blew up and molecules bounced around and somehow life was given given to a or or 
through chemical processes, life was somehow created. It's, you can't even have to use Christian terms because it's impossible to think that just through chance processes and somehow natural events, all of this could occur. We're, what, we're, what we're saying is in, in that worldview, given that explanation of the origins of life, it's absurd. And that's the realm that you live in outside of, um, sorry, that's the realm that you live in outside of uh, the scriptures. Now, just for a little story, I had a good friend a couple of years ago, Christian, um, professing Christian, sorry about that, professing Christian for many years, and then sends me a message that just says, you know what, I don't, I don't believe it anymore. And from the fruits of his life, you know, I don't believe he was ever in the kingdom. Right. But I remember writing almost 40 pages of information back to him, just kind of answering his claims and answering his difficulties with the Christian faith. And I said, brother, you know, if you continue on in this path, um, you're going to live in this world that you don't want to live in. It's a world of absurdity. It's a world of pain. It's a world of misery outside of outside of the, the kingdom right. you know, that's that's where everybody lives and that's where that's why we go out and evangelize but that's ultimately the basis of our of our um, motive here is we want the truth to come out we want to tackle these philosophical systems show them for the bankruptcy that they that they have in their ability to account or to explain or to make sense mm -hmm. that's important to show people that's part of it but of, but of course preeminently above all things is the gospel mandate Mm -hmm. You know, we're to share the gospel. And like you said, we don't ever want to on this show portray that we're some great intellectual minds because that does no good for the church. I want to talk about this on the next episode of evangelism. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to kind of focus on actually two, two shows ahead. Mm -hmm. um, is this uh, is, is, is the fact that God uses broken people the bible says he uses the foolish things of the world to co to confound the wise mm -hmm. we want in our attempts here just to show the average christian that we're a bunch of average christians and you could share the gospel too that is when the work of evangelism increases exponentially when the body of christ evangelizes and just doesn't say oh if i'm not like a b or c um, if I'm not like this brother or that brother, then I don't have the ability to evangelize. I have to be, like you said, some massive intellectual mind with encyclopedic knowledge and, you know, the ability to retain all the information. I don't got any of those things, but I know as a Christian man, God has commanded me to be a light, to be salt, to be a preservative, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. preser preservative to be a, a, a gospel witness. And that is what I've got to do. Yeah. And what we want to do, if the only thing was that was accomplished in this show was for the average Christian to say, I can do it. I'm going to, I'm going to go out into my sphere of influence every day and I'm going to proclaim the gospel. Then that's a pretty massive victory. Yeah. yeah. And I would say too, just as encouragement, like it, it is like a muscle. It is like working out. The more you do it, the more you um, are disciplined in the word. And the more uh, each day that you, you do, you participate in evangelism, the easier it will get the more natural it will get. It's yeah, like, it's like a like muscle anything. you work yeah. out. Yeah. Practice makes, doesn't make perfect, but makes progress. <laughs> right. Okay, folks, that was a long one. Um, 
Hopefully you were helped. Hopefully that was beneficial for you and your attempts to defend your faith and your attempts to share the gospel. Um, send us a message. Let us know if we can do better. we got to be open to critique. Uh, <laughs> we've gotten some on YouTube. Yeah, we have. We're trying to, you know, we've gotten the speaking of the microphone and stop oh, yeah. saying, huh, or oh, yeah, right. right. I think we did pretty good right there. But yeah, right. we're... Again, we're, we're, we're new to this. We're just doing our best to try to glorify God and, and help you do your best to be a light. Um, next time, next episode, we are actually bringing on a woman, and um, her dad was an abortionist. Yeah. She's a Reformed Christian. She was able to share the gospel with this abortionist dad before he uh, unfortunately passed away right. soon after. Mm -hmm. And his and her son, son-in-law, I think, or stepson? No, her brother. Oh, her brother. Mm -hmm. Oh, way off there. That's okay. Her brother is actually working to be an abortionist. Right. Yeah. So we, we want to talk with her. We want to hear her story. And we're going to do our best to reach out to the brother to tell him to put the brakes on. Um, and he's actually in training to be an abortionist. So wouldn't it be amazing if somehow we could get through to him yeah. and stop the murders from occurring? That's going to be our focus. And that's going to be our next episode. So we love you guys. Don't forget to go to uh, Paul Gia Studios. Sign up to be an all-access member, mm -hmm. and we'll see you next time. Bye.